while Keith uh, is away, although he gives me the privilege even when he's not away, uh, of, of sharing the God's word with you today. So today we are going to be diving in uh, back right where we left off into Philippians uh, chapter 3, uh, and we're going to be picking up uh, pretty quickly in verse 12. But before we do that, uh, as, as we search for joy in our future, uh, trying to find joy in our future, I'll read a couple news stories uh, that I'm sure will inspire you uh, to have uh, joy, because that's what the news is all about. So $350,000 a year and just barely getting by. The Dutch government uh, recently collapses over uh, disagreements over immigration policy. Uh, an Afghan man who served helping U.S. soldiers in Afghanistan was shot and killed in Washington, D.C. Uh, robots have told us that they will not steal our jobs or rebel against humans. Um, uh, neighborhood uh, party uh, was shot uh, in Baltimore, and then nearly half of the water in U.S. faucets have tested positive for forever chemicals. Um, yeah, so that's how you'd kick off for joy in our future, right? Um, and, and it's a roller coaster because there are some that are like, oh, that's kind of funny. Oh, wow, that changed really quickly. And that's how the news happens, right? I mean, it's almost like one news story, you're like, oh, and look at this kindergarten class, and then, oh, yeah, and then this car crash. Um, and, and so it's, it's these, these signs and these, these, uh, these loud uh, proclamations where your money, however it is, no matter how much it is, it's not enough, and uh, Europe is falling apart uh, again. And, um, uh, well, the average people, well, we're, we're getting hurt in our own backyard parties, like nowhere is safe anymore. And, and so... We see uh, that, uh, you know, also don't drink the water and definitely don't trust the robots. And, and so, but who can we trust? Who can we trust? And how is it possible to find joy in a future that's so uncertain and so uh, it's in change? Even this morning I was checking the news and I saw there was a pretty big earthquake uh, in Alaska early, early in the morning and they were worried about a tsunami. And it's like, wow, it's just constant, constant flow. And anxiety and depression are through the roof. And that's not the only thing coming through the roof. Did you guys see that hailstorm? Like, and it was like only Littleton. Like everybody else was like, what hailstorm? And our cars are like golf balls, right? Like, um, and so it definitely is something that it just feels like it's going faster. I mean, my youth, they always tell me that I'm old. But I know that I, I still have a couple years left um, of claiming some youth. Uh, but it does seem like it's going faster, doesn't it? And that seems like it, the odds are stacked against us if our goal is to find joy in our future. And we, we look and we think Ukraine, we think of Russia, we think of China, Taiwan, North Korea. I mean, the list just keeps going and going. And it's easy for us to find ourselves just overcome with worry, not just for ourselves, but for our kids and grandkids that like, wow, if it's bad now, I can't imagine what it's going to be like in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. Well, today I'm going to give you three different ways that as we look through and as it's not like these things are a surprise for God, it's not like God is like, oh, wow, I had this plan and then, oh, I mean, Russia attacked Ukraine and now I have no idea what to do. 
No, God doesn't, God's not surprised. And so he gives us some tools here in Philippians to help us so that we are less surprised and we can actually find joy in what's coming. And so there, I'm going to give you three ways uh, to find joy in our future. Let's look at chapter 3 of Philippians. Now, if you have the Pew Bible, um, you're welcome. I realize uh, that there are two different ones. And so one of them is a, uh, page 1163, 1163. And the other one, if you want, it's under the chair in front of you. It's 832. Uh, but uh, I'll also have it up here on the screen. So this is uh, Philippians uh, chapter 3. We'll start in verse 12. Now that I have, not that I have already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. For all of us... Uh, for all of us who are mature should take such a view of these things. And if on some point you think differently, that you too, God will make clear to you. So, so we see our first point. Uh, what we're looking at here uh, is if, if we look at the, the background of what we're seeing here. So we see that, that Paul in these first 12 through 14 here, um, he's saying, you know, forget what's behind, press on. It's believed that Paul is writing this from prison. So Paul, the apostle, uh, kind of the very first uh, missionary to the world in church history. Uh, some would consider him the greatest missionary in church history. So he's the first and the greatest. And, um, but he is writing this from prison. So if he hasn't gone far enough, he's saying that, not that I have already obtained. So he's saying, I'm pressing and I haven't yet made it. Okay. I haven't yet made it. If you're, if you're looking at the headlines for Paul's life, joy is not coming into his newsfeed very often, okay? Um, if there is any joy, he's looking at it through the prison bars at the outside across the street, right? Where there's happiness happening out there, and he's stuck in here, and he's writing to the, to the church of Philippi, and he's saying, keep going, keep going, keep going. And so if we hope to find joy in our future, we have to do it by running focused. We have to find joy through running focused. And so one of the interesting uh, things, so I've had many jobs before I was able to have this one, and uh, one of them was a middle school cross-country coach. So you guys laughed. Yeah, so if you don't understand running, don't worry. I can help, you know, explain everything. It's, it's not super hard. If you don't understand middle school, I don't have enough time. Um, yeah, but I, I really did enjoy it. Um, that might tell you a little bit about me, but at the same time, it really was fun. You just never knew what you were going to get. But one of the things that I loved, I mean, cross country, you literally show up and you just run for like two hours. And so like you could literally, in, in a, towards the end of the season, I could get some of the more advanced runners. We could run six miles in one practice. Um, and that was just Tuesday, you know? Um, but I loved it. Middle schoolers always asked the most obvious questions, and one of, they would always come up. It was so consistent. They would come up, and they would say, hey, Coach Davis, are we going to run today in practice? <laughs> and I, 
I kind of would like look over my shoulder and be like, are you talking to like the basketball coach Davis or what? Yes, of course we're going to run. And I feel like as we approach this next section of joy and we're like, Paul, are we going to talk about joy again? And it's like, I'm kind of, kind of feeling tired of talking about joy. And Paul's like, uh, yep, like do another lap. Like, come on, like, here we go. And that's the thing is that when we feel tired, it's actually because we're learning, we're growing, we're getting better. We're focusing on the same thing over and over and over. And every time we focus on it, it gets a little bit, you get a little bit faster. You get a little bit better at it. And of course you're tired because you're actually doing something. When we're not tired in a sport, that means that we're actually not getting better. And so this is what, this is what I want to draw us to here is uh, that not just in this passage. Paul has this theme throughout many different passages, and I'm just going to, you know, quickly kind of reference them. I don't want you to get lost. I want you to stay here in Philippians 3. But he mentions it in 1 Corinthians 9.26. He says, Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. One of the, one of the most challenging times in my Christian walk was the year after I finished the year through the Bible. Because, I mean, done, right? Check. I've read that book. And then I just aimlessly started like, well, I've read this book before, so I'll just aimlessly, you know, come over here and over there. And then I wondered why I was struggling in my, like, not as questioning my faith, but just not growing. Well, I didn't have a goal anymore. I had a plan. I beat, I, I beat the plan. I, I accomplished what I was setting out. And, uh, but then I didn't keep going. I didn't keep pressing myself. I didn't keep pushing. And so I want us to recognize that we can't be running our Christian walk aimlessly either. That if we want to continue growing, we have to continue setting up and being disciplined. And joy comes from that discipline. We can experience that through, through actually having that focus on our goal. So we ask ourselves, are we feeling anxious about the future? And then, you know, I could answer that question for you, right? We can all nod together. Yes, yes. I mean, and it's any number of things. Sometimes they make the news, sometimes they don't. Sometimes the scariest stories in our lives will never make the news. But we're anxious about it. And I want to I encourage you that maybe... Maybe we need to stop binge-watching the news because we already saw, I mean, just from like five news stories, it's not like, they, like we finished those news stories and we're like, wow, I'm ready. Or, or maybe, you know, if, if a different generation, maybe it's the doom scrolling, right, where you're sitting there and you just keep going. Well, maybe, I know the first 30 minutes of scrolling didn't actually provide me any, like, anything that I really needed to know. Saw some funny squirrel videos. But, like, maybe the next time I hit scroll, I'm going to find something interesting. But it never really do. It's always just, and hours can go by. And yet we, we seem to keep forgetting the connection here, that if we keep filling ourselves up with these anxiety-ridden stories, then it shouldn't be a surprise that we're full of anxiety about the future. But remember, who's not surprised about the future? So we see uh, in 2 Timothy, Paul continues, uh, 2 Timothy 2, 3 through 5, and he, and he mentions, he says, join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one ser uh, serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. So another example 
Like, how many soldiers in the middle of battle are like, hold on, let me give me a Facebook post. There's a really cool tweet. Let me tweet about this hand grenade that just landed in our foxhole. No, they're focused because they realize that it's life or death. And yet, how often it is just as much about life and death in our lives, but... So I, I want to encourage us that if we want less focus, actually brings us less joy. So we've we got to make these connections because, you know, when we're, we're going through this, the, a soldier understands it, runners understand it, um, and, and there's actually, it's interesting as the studies are coming out because I found, some, I found two different studies um, that are, you know, trying to track. I mean, there's always that, like, get off your phone, you know, stop watching so much TV. It's like, that's just white noise, right? It's like everybody says that ever since your mom was, you know, since TVs were invented, right? Get out, you're watching too much TV. You're on too much phones. Well, this is really interesting because uh, Yale, um, Yale teamed up with Columbia School of Nursing. So pretty smart people. Um, and they did a study uh, of 5,100 uh, 9 and 10 year olds uh, and they found out that uh, the youth who spent the most time on their devices were uh, more likely to exhibit higher levels of in uh, internalizing problems two years later. So two years after the study, they came back and visited them. And these included depression, anxiety, social anxiety, somatic problems, and other concerns. This association uh, between frequent screen time and mental health was mediated by specific changes in brain development so they could like it got to the point where they almost didn't need to ask them the questions they could scan their brain and be like oh you've had a lot of screen time haven't you because you know doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over of course it's going to shape you okay as as a cross-country coach you know <laughs> i uh I usually would run the most, like the week or two before the very first practice, because I didn't want to be embarrassed, because of course, like, totally didn't practice before practice. And I didn't want to be like the coach that was like, hey, I'm going to get on a golf cart and chase you around. Um, <laughs> but uh, but it, it's, it's so true, like doing the same thing over and over and over and over, how could we not assume that it would shape us? Well, what do you expect if you're being shaped by anxiety, fear? Watch out, it's coming. Another study uh, was actually a much larger study done a couple of years. This is the University of Queensland in uh, Australia. This is 577 uh, adolescents in 42 countries. Huge study. Um, and they found uh, the higher amounts of screen time, their life satisfaction dropped significantly. They were less happy with their lives, and it got worse um, as it went over two hours. So as they went over. And so we ask ourselves, where are we spending this time? Are we focused? Are we staying focused? Or are we just scrolling and allowing life to kind of take us? And so if we ask ourselves, are we feeling that fear? Well, yeah, of course, we're all, we're all experiencing it. I mean, it's not like we live in a, in a, a pit. Like we know that there's, there's a lot of things happening around us. But we also see that you know, what about confusion? Maybe you're like, well, okay, I, I'm not really afraid of the news. I know that it's, you know, whatever, but I, sh I just don't know what to do with my life. My future is undetermined, and so I'm just nervous about it. I don't know what decisions to make. Well, you know, a lot of times when we're running, if we prepare by what we're consuming, that can help. I'll never forget the kid that showed up to a cross-country meet, and he ate an entire pizza. 
he didn't make it. He didn't finish the race. And I bet you can exp- you probably guess why. And yet, when we're looking for different things, often the, what, are the, what are the sermons that we're going to listen to? What are the Bible studies we're going to listen to? Are they, are, are they like low-quality sources, like cookie-flavored prosperity gospel sources? Or are, are they these devotionals that every time you read the devotional, you always feel perfect and happy? Because the Scripture sometimes says hard things. Sometimes we have to like contemplate and be like, wow, this is calling me to change. That's something in my life. And there's nothing wrong with starting somewhere. Everybody has to, that spiritual discipline of reading and watching sermons and, and reading more and, and getting resources, but helping you understand, okay, what is the, what's the pizza before the race? And, and what is the Gatorade or the electrolytes or the protein that's going to help me win this race? And just making sure that you're thinking about that and, 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 you know, learning what sources are helping and which sources aren't biblical and, and, and going through that process. And so um, as I read in verse 15, um, that all of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. So how do you become more mature? Well, you show up, practice hard, you focus. Because you realize, you know, you realize that there's, there's things out there that you, wanna, you want from this sport, this faith. And they're, they're rich, and we're going to get there. But remember, less focus equals less joy. Less focus equals less joy. So I want... Uh, it's always hard with these practical things where it's like, okay, that's, that's nice. But, you know, thinking about all of that, now, I know that we're going to try and combine two different things, and you weren't ready to combine these things. And so, you know, but, but just a practical thing. For those of you that, that got a sticker on the way in, okay, and I did test this out, so it will, it will come off. But leave it there all day. You can still use your phone. But help you reminded, like, hey, I mean, there's so many apps that can track your screen time. But if you had to see that every time, you'd be like, hey, I'm not going to scroll because eh, I can still type. I can still call on emergencies. But help me remember, like, whoa, 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 whoa. Am I, is this important? Like, do I actually need to look something up for something important or am I just, just unfocused? Now, for those of you who want a stretch goal, you think, oh, I'm not a phone person. What if you did no screens for a whole day? like a phone Sabbath. Would your life be any worse? The study actually said, it was funny, because stu- one of these studies was saying that if the child had no screen time, like zero screen time, which of course every teenager's like, don't say that! <laughs> they had, there was zero effect for having zero screen time. So no effect. So they were not, they were not injured if, if they had zero screen time which I know is like terrifying. But even for us, right? Um, we like to pick on some of the kids and say they don't have self-control. And then we have, you know, six hours of phone time in one day and we're like, oh, it was my day off. So the first thing we saw is we have to focus. If we want to find joy in our future, we have to run focused. The second thing is if we want to find joy in our future, we need to run free. We need to run free. 
Philippians 3, uh, verse 13, it says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. Straining towards what is ahead. One of the things I always, when, you know, middle schoolers, I would, um, sometimes if they just kept forgetting the basic things that they were supposed to bring to practice, um, I, would, I would just kind of mess with them a little bit and say, all right, so uh, how many Twinkies did you bring? What? I didn't see that on the list. I didn't, uh. And it's like, well, yeah, well, I mean, how many Twinkies are you going to eat during practice today? I mean, we're going to do a big run. How many Twinkies are you going to have? Now, I don't want you to be confused. How many Twinkies should you eat during cross country? <laughs> Please, don't eat Twinkies, okay? Maybe if you're running like ultra marathons and you're actually your blood sugar starts going down, uh, but that's a whole different ball game, okay? Um, at this point, there should be zero Twinkies, okay? And yet, how many times in our life do we got backpacks full of Twinkies and we're wondering why this race is so hard, okay? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch gears here and look just, just for a short at Hebrews 12 and about how, what, the, what the Scripture calls us about running free. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us so here we see in hebrews that there's two things there's two things that god calls us to say that's going to entangle us and slow us down that's going to make this race it's already hard okay it's already hard but these are making it unnecessarily hard and those two things that are listed here in hebrews is stuff and sin, that we're called to live free, and yet we, we gather so much stuff, and we hide so much sin, that we're, we're not running, we're not, we're not forgetting what's behind, okay? We're, we're researching new insurance policies for our, I don't know, teacup collection, which if you have a teacup collection, it's not sinful, unless you love it more than God, okay? But whatever the collection is, I mean, it could be anything, but like, is that stuff helping you? Or is that stuff holding you back? And that only you, really, can, can decide. Are you afraid to invite people over because they might mess with your collection? Or maybe, I mean, storage. If you're talking about, you know, you have a basement, which of course the basements are for storage, duh. And then all of a sudden you have this other one that's a big front door of your house. It goes up and down. You can fit more stuff in it. I think they put cars in there? Nah, storage level two, right? And then, of course, the kids move out. So what do we do? Storage level three. Yeah, and it's definitely not slowing me down. And I'm never going to look through it, but it's full of really good stuff. Now, I say that in jest because I know that that's of a lot of our stories. Um, right now, my family... Um, I, uh, I have a personal example where my wife is a lot more easy. She's easier to get rid of stuff. Um, I, I hold on to stuff more. And it's not always stuff that even is worth holding on to. But in 2016, um, we, uh, I had the job opportunity to go and be a missionary teacher in, in South Korea. And that was a really cool opportunity. And so I, we accepted the job in January. And South Korea is really far. And so... You have to ask yourself, is this worth shipping, this little trinket, worth shipping like $120? And it's like, eh, okay. But you, so we went from having a house with, fam we had a family of four, still do, 
Um, uh, we, had, we had a house, we had two cars, uh, and we, uh, we also I had a red motorcycle. Uh, and that was in January. In July, we had 16 duffel bags. And I don't say that because it was so painful. Like, you know, my wife, you know, she was throwing stuff out and, you know, this is great. But the thing is, once it was done, wow, we were free. And it wasn't just about the stuff. It was about, like, you know, it's like, well, I don't know if I want to go to a hard place in the world because, you know, I, I have to, you know, what about this or what about that? It was like, hey, God, send me. I'm ready because I got nothing. Like, I just got these bags, and actually, we, we can't carry them all because our kids are still small. But, like, w- we can throw, load it into one truck. I took, remember taking a picture of everything in the back of one truck. We were ready to serve God and do anything. And it felt like, you know, running with boots on, and then you take the boots off and you run through, like all of a sudden you're barefoot and it's like, wow, I just magically got faster. And it's like, no, no, you actually are just reaching the potential because you, you got rid of your boots that weren't helping. So that's one way, the stuff. And that's, that's all of us. We struggle with that because stuff is nice. It's nice to, you know, not have to use the same toothbrush for 20 years, right? <laughs> but that's just part of it. Hebrews said the stuff can hold us back. And so can the sin. And the sin we carry way longer than 20 years. Because it's in here. Nobody needs to see that. But the truth is, if we have that, we're carrying it around. And we're looking over our shoulder all the time. Because maybe somebody will figure it out. Or, you know, I can't forgive that person. But really, you're the only one that's carrying that. And it's making this harder than it needs to be. And so I want to encourage you because in the book of James, it says in James 5, it says that when we confess our sins one to another, that we can be healed. And it's not, you know, it's not, it's, it's more about that relationship, that once we bring that stuff into the light, then it's no longer, it's no longer a burden. We can share that and we can work on it together. We can pray for each other. And, and like I said, like maybe, maybe the practical thing is maybe you need to go home and, and look at like maybe storage level three. We'll start there, right? Storage level three, or, or you could start any of you and just say, you know what? I don't need this stuff. I'll give it to somebody else or, or sell it or, or do something with that so that I can be lighter and I can be more able to, to serve and to love. Or, or maybe it is. You need to, maybe you need to find a trusted friend and you need to say, hey, I, I have something I need to just tell you. I need prayer. I'm going to tell you the real story, not like the, the watered-down version that, you know, I want to feel better about myself, but just the real. Because honestly, every single one of us have, like, sin, and, so, and most of the sin stories are ugly. And we think that ours is more ugly than others until we actually start talking about it and realize, oh, huh, you're just as broken as I am. But that's the beauty of the gospel. That's why we have Jesus. That's why this, this journey is so that's why this is, is worth it, because if we're, if we're running free, man, it's, it's, it's a whole different race. It's a whole different race. So if there's less weight, we have more joy. Less weight, we have more joy. And we can run free. So we're looking for, continuing to look for joy in the future, we, we've, we, we've figured out that we've got to get rid of some stuff. Sometimes it's inside and sometimes it's outside. But it's never about the stuff. It's about, it's about us. It's about how, how we're looking to Jesus for every single part 
of our lives and this, this challenge. And so we also see that we got to be focused, okay? And sometimes that focus means we got to give up uh, certain things that aren't really helping us, um, but can just tangle us up, okay? The last one, uh, the third one is to find joy by running in the future, by running for the prize. Oh, and the prize is good. The prize is really good. All right, let's look. So we see um, here in Philippians uh, 14, three, uh, chapter 3, verse 14. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God had called me heavenly word in Christ Jesus. The prize is God, God himself, the creator of the universe. And we can, we can have a relationship with him, which I imagine for a lot of people, they're like, you know, I'm not really convinced that God is that great. I'm, you know, sure, I like it when he does nice things for me. But, but let me explain it a little differently. So um, are there any, like, runners for fun? Any fun runners in here? Cup? No? No? Okay, oh, oh, yeah, no, my son is actually in cross-country, okay? Yeah, well, it, it is a little crazy, even as a cross-country coach, like, it's, it's better at the end of the season than the beginning, but at the same time, um, it's hard, and, and, he, and Paul is not calling us to do something that's, like, easy, that's, like, simple and, and, and ready to do. He's calling us to something knowing. I mean, he's writing it from prison, so he understands that it's hard, that he's calling us to do hard things, um, but let me... Uh, but the prize is why it makes the hard things worth it. Let me give you an example, because, you know, uh, it's always nice to have a time machine. And so if we had this time machine, let's, let's set it back to fall of 2001, all right, uh, and kind of get an idea of what prizes might be worth a challenge. Um, so fall of 2001, pretty monumental time in world history. Uh, we, of course, have the tech bubble had completely popped. Um, and most, you know, so many people destitute. You know, 2000, they had millions, and in 2001, they were broke. And then, of course, the terrorist attacks of September. But you have a time machine, so you know what's going to happen. The news is saying panic, fear. And you say, Amazon at 28 cents a share? <laughs> Check. Today is $138 for a share of Amazon. That's a huge percentage gain. That's a prize. But you know that. So you ignore the news. You ignore what they're saying. And you say, joy. And you sell everything you can. You're literally selling all those favorite collections. And you're like, don't worry, in 20 years, I'll buy two of them. Because let's say you got together, like, pre-inflation, uh, 2001 money, $100,000. And you just liquidate as much as you can. Today, that would be 48 million. Is that a prize worth suffering for a little bit for? I think most of us would agree. Now, if we look here, what is the prize that Philippians, that Paul offers to us? So we look here in Philippians 3, verses 20 through 21. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly wait a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Wow. Even, even in my, you know, like I said, the youth always tease me for being old, but um, my body is not getting better. 
And I'm sure that you guys can relate that like, man, I would love, I would love this prize. Citizenship in heaven? That's like the one thing you can take with you. So we have to run for the prize. In, in 1 Corinthians 9.24, it says, uh, do you not know that in all race, in, in a race, all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way to get the prize. Run to win. Run to win. Because the more prize we have, the more joy we have. Because it's worth it. Now, Paul doesn't stop there because he says, look, if you run this way, you're going to get this result and the prize is awesome. But he also, he cautions us because he warns us and says, no, no, but if you run this way. And even back then, there are going to be, he has, in some ways, he has a, a time machine, and, but he's going forward in time to warn us. And he's saying, look, if you, if you say you're one thing, but then live like everybody else. If you say, you show up at South Sub and you say that, oh yeah, Jesus is awesome. But then you, your budget is the same as people who don't care about Jesus, and your calendar is the same, and your marriage and family is about the same, and your fear is about the same, and your lack of joy is about the same as everybody else. Then are you different? And Paul warns, and he says, with tears in his eyes, he says, the end of that is destruction, not the prize. That, now, if anything is going to make me more like worried, I mean, forget about those killer robots at the very beginning, right? I, I want for you, I want you to have joy in your future. I want you to have joy in your future. So we see Hebrews 12, verse 2. So fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And that's it right there. Why is it that we can have this joy? It's because the throne of God has never moved. The throne of God has been in the same place from the beginning of creation until now. There's not a single news story that even shook it. And that king is our king. So I invite you, I invite you to run with me, run with South Sub. Because joy can be found in our future because God is on his throne. How are you going to have the confidence? How could you possibly have the courage to turn off that screen or ignore that invitation or the, the notification that you don't really need? It's because God is on his throne. How could you possibly have the ability to sell that priceless artifact? Because God is on his throne. How could you possibly gain the courage to confess that sin to a friend and pray for that? Nobody knows about that. Because God is on his throne. To tell your coach, your boss, or that jealous family member that, no, no, God is, God is my number one. God is everything. I'm going to run for him. So I'm going to run for the prize. I'm going to run free. I'm going to run focused. Because God is on his throne. 
Now, as we come uh, to our conclusion, I want to encourage you and challenge you that we have these, um, that we have these uh, connect cards. And for those of you who are new, I highly, strongly encourage you to write your information on here and we'll give you a call. We love to get to know uh, all the new people. We're not going to pester you. We just really, um, it's, it's hard to catch everybody on a Sunday. And so we want to make sure nobody's missed um, and we get a chance to, to talk with you. But today I want to challenge you, everybody, to consider uh, writing, committing to some of these. I'm going to list, just review some of these. But the, which one of these things are we going to focus on together to, or individually? Are you going to think, uh, how can I run more focused? And that could be you've, you take a whole day off of screens, okay? Or it could be you just commit to reading your Bible every day instead of reading that devotional or listening to that thing. You just read your actual Bible. Or maybe you want to run with more freedom. You need to sell something or give up something. Or maybe it is gaining the courage to, you know, talk with that friend and seek forgiveness or something. Okay, that's free. So focus and freedom and then for the prize, maybe it's about prioritizing godly things over worldly things. So this week, you're going to say, I'm going to do that. And I want to I pray for you this week because I also, uh, I'm, I'm going to have to move. This is kind of the second half of this story. So he had the 16 duffel bags while moving this week. Um, and I have way more than 16 duffel bags now. Okay, it is not like I'm going to be able to fit it in the back of one truck. It's probably going to be 16 trucks. Uh, well, I mean, small trucks, not like huge moving trucks. Um, but at the same time, like, it's so, it's so quick that that this stuff happens. So um, I want to share, uh, share what you uh, are going to be working on. You can leave it anonymous or not. It's up to you. Uh, and I'd love to, on the back, you can put them in one of the bins. Um, and, uh, and I'd love to just uh, pray for you this week. So with that, I'm going to close uh, with prayer. And then we're going to move on into uh, the next part of communion. Let's pray. God, you are on your throne where you always have been. I thank you that that's true and it always has been true and that you're never surprised. And so, Lord, I pray that we can find joy in our future because of the truth that you are. <laughs> and Lord, I just pray that you can give us all uh, the opportunity to engage that and to run after you, to run towards you for the prize is worth it. And I thank you for this opportunity to come together today. And in Jesus' name, amen.